Hello and welcome to Making It, the podcast about making theatre and making it as an artist. I'm your host, Tammy Wilkie, and each week I'll be chatting to an emerging playwright, theatre maker or theatre company about how they make theatre, why they make theatre and what they do to survive. I am thrilled to welcome Ella Rode to the podcast today because I think she is totally amazing. I saw her debut play, The Phlebotomist, when it opened at the Hampstead downstairs in spring 2018 and it absolutely blew me away. It's the kind of play where you sort of can't believe that somebody actually managed to write it. I like don't know how somebody did that. <laughs> um, it's a sci-fi thriller set in the not so distant future. And it was so gripping and dramatic and so very, very rich. And it said so much about the time we're living in and where we might be going while also telling an incredibly human story. I loved it so much. It transferred to the main house of the Hampstead the following year before being nominated for an Olivier Award. That's right, an Olivier we are in the presence of greatness. So happy to have you. Thank you for joining me, Ella. Welcome to Making It. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> what a lovely intro. <laughs> um, my first question is, how did you get into theatre? Oh, mm. good question. Um, I actually don't know the answer to that question. Really. Oh my God, yeah. I guess it was just from um, pissing around as a kid mm. and making stuff. I used to dress my little brother up as a girl called Helena. Ah. Um, and I'd make him do uh, little shows with me in the living room for anyone who would watch younger or older he's younger oh, yeah that makes um, sense. <laughs> and actually I think he quite enjoyed it yeah <laughs> um but that was kind of my way into theatre I didn't come from a theatre family mm. come from a family of like medics and science people wait uh, um, what, what, what do your parents do my mum is a GP ah and my dad is a neuroradiologist oh cool um, so he does like brain stuff mm -hmm. my parents are both doctors are they yeah oh we've never spoken I know that isn't that mad that is mad <laughs> yeah um cool um, but yeah, so I didn't have like a particularly theatre background, but like I always wanted to go to drama classes and stuff as mm. a kid and, um, and got quite involved in like the school, like I even remember in like primary school wanting to like direct the entire puppet show in year two <laughs> and, um, and finding it like the most exciting thing ever. Yeah. And um, so I think it's probably just like been in me from a young age, but yeah. yeah, it wasn't until I remember like watching the Harry Potter films and being like, I want to be in it. Mm. And like trying to find a way. Yeah. And starting going to like uh, Saturday drama classes yeah. and stuff like that. Um, mm. But it wasn't really until I guess I went to like university and I started getting really involved in the drama society mm. um, that like I was like, oh, this is a, a career mm. that you can do. And did you start um, like, were you watching theatre like very much? Like you kind of were talking about like the, the main drive being from within you, like wanting to be in it or direct stuff. But yeah. like, what, did you see much as well? We did see stuff sometimes. I, my granny used to take me to see dance shows a lot. Mm. So I didn't, we didn't go to the theatre that much. Mm -hmm. We went to the pantomime. I think it's funny because actually listening to other people speak about their first theatre experiences, yeah. they're almost always pantomime, yeah. which makes me like feel even more sure that pantomime is like a really important mm. part of our culture mm. um, because like it seems to be the first way in that a lot of people have. Yeah. Like we used to go to um, the like local annual pantomime my like both my grannies used to take us to different ones every year where did you grow up i grew up in uh, archway oh cool yeah yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. but we, and we used to one of my grannies used to take me to one like near muswell hill and mm -hmm. then another one took me to one up in enfield mm -hmm. um yeah i think it was in enfield mm -hmm. um but no we did go to theater sometimes like i think once m my parents started realizing that that was something that i was enjoying doing that like, mm. they'd get with me for birthdays and stuff yeah uh, but we weren't like a massive theatre going family. Yeah, yeah. I always find that interesting because it's like, where did that impulse come from? Like, if it didn't come from my family, which is, I'm completely mm. the same, my parents are like, have no interest in theatre. So it's like, it it feels like it came in, inertly from you. Inertly? Innately from you. Yeah. <laughs> and like, 
I'm always like, oh, where did that come from? Where did that spark? I don't know. Maybe I was just like a big expositionist. Is that a word? <laughs> As a kid, just wanting to have the attention on me. I don't know. Mm. Though actually I wasn't really like that. Like I wanted to like dress up and do little shows, but I was quite shy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so when you went to university, did you study like English or drama or any of those things? I studied English. I actually, mm. thinking about it now, I um, I did want to go to drama school mm. before then. Mm. But I'd had, we had a fr- family friend. So my stepmom's friend is an actor. He was like the only like real life actor that I knew. Mm. And he um, was very much like, if there's anything else that you can think of doing <laughs> and that you could ever think about wanting to ever, ever do, do that. Don't, yeah. do, don't do drama. And yeah. I was like, okay. <laughs> um, and so like, I think he and, went, and hearing that from someone who is an actor, that's like, okay. Yeah. yeah and he's a success, really successful actor mm. as well. You know, it's not, yeah, he's, he's done, you know, he's, he's brilliant. He's doing really well. It's, mm. it's actually, um, I think that he was aware of how difficult it is yeah. and, um, and was kind of like, if there's anything else that you think of, can think of doing, do that. Mm. Um, and also I think at that particular time I also wanted to study more yeah and I didn't really know why yeah but I definitely did and I yeah. want, also wanted to take a gap year I wanted to live abroad there were lots of things that I wanted to do mm. and I, I thought I'll go and do those things and then see if I still want to pursue this because mm. at that point I guess it was like a hobby rather than a career path yeah and so, like, you mainly came to theatre, like, as an actor, like, it sounds mm. like. It was like, I want to do it. I want to be in it. I yeah. want to, you know, like, do it that way. How, yeah. like, what was your journey then into writing? I mean, I've always written bits and pieces, but mm. I definitely wasn't thinking about it as a career. Mm. My journey into writing has pretty much been that I started playing around with stuff when I was at drama school. Mm-hmm. So I went, did an English degree and then I went to drama school uh-huh. and did a postgrad. Uh-huh. And um, actually, when I was doing my degree and I was doing lots of like acting-y things, I mm. remember l- looking at the people who were writing and being like really intimidated by them mm. and thinking of it as something that I couldn't do. Yeah. And um, I was too scared, mm-hmm. really. And I like used to play around with bits of script, but I, it was always, I always thought it was crap. <laughs> and, um, and then at drama school, I wrote myself a couple of... Um, like monologues and duologues and things but like didn't say that it was by me mm. like when we had to do accent like accent workshops or kind of um why quite didn't you say that it was by you i just wanted to see if i could get away with it <laughs> and to be like yeah well, as in like it was like someone would be like oh this is from disco pigs by ender welsh and you were like no, this is no. from <laughs> yeah the kitchen table by <laughs> george incredible. something yeah well i kind of think it, it felt much less scary to it that way because mm. um it wasn't like this kind of um you know, personal vomit that I was mm. giving out to somebody. It was like a kind of contained uh, exercise to see if I could write something and people not think it was really awful. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's interesting. Like, obviously, I'm probably putting that on retrospectively. I don't really know what I was doing at the time. I think it was partly also that I wanted to find something that I could perform and I was like, here's yeah. the thing, I've written it. But I find it interesting that you didn't want to take credit for it or like the words like intimidation or being scared. Like yeah. the sort of, um, the, the kind of like, emotional barriers that like stopped you from being like yeah this is I can own this mantle I can like be be a writer yeah I think I've I still find that hard Mm. you know it's like there's something about writing which for some people maybe it isn't isn't like this but for me anyway it feels so incredibly personal Mm. and like even when I remember like being in an English class as a as a kid and you'd be given like a piece of creative writing as an exercise or something mm. or an, even like essays but mm. much more creative writing yeah and I would be terrified of someone looking over my shoulder yeah and uh reading any of it because it felt like it might I was kind of like um I don't know it's just, just like, like my soul I was, just, there's a poem by um 
Hera Lindsay Bird mm. is a really great poet. And um, and it's at the beginning of this book of poetry, she talks, there's a poem about what it is to write. To write. Mm. And it's like she describes it somewhere along the lines of like paying yourself <laughs> at, at a supermarket checkout. I think that's the like metaphor she uses. And wow. I, I agree like with that. It feels a bit <laughs> like you're standing in a pool of your own urine and like it's slightly shaming, but also a bit like, well, I did it. <laughs> Here it is. Here it is. And um, I'm still kind of shedding that maybe. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, it, it is weird at drama school. I guess I would have, I also was like very much, I'm going to be an actor and yeah. I am identifying as an actor and yeah. I don't want people to think that I'm not. Yeah. yeah. I find that so interesting. Like um, me and Heather have had su- such great chats about that sort of actor writer divide because like, do you, do you think of, do you still think of yourself primarily as an actor? No. Mm. No, I don't. And yeah. that's like been quite a recent change. Over. Yeah. How recent? Maybe in the last year mm. or less. Yeah. yeah. Whereas like, I think I'm still at the stage where I still primarily think of myself as an actor because mm. I've just been doing it longer. It's who I am. It's like who I've been since I was like seven or something. Like it yeah. just feels like, but that's, that's who I am. But yeah. I feel like almost like the opportunities with writing almost come a bit quicker, I guess. Like it doesn't, I don't think it's hard. I don't think it's easier, but no. at all by any means, but I was trying to remind Ella before we started recording that um, she said something amazing to me that has really helped my brain, um, which we were chatting at the bush and you said that, I'm going to try and remember it right. You said that um, you love the process of writing. Oh, I remember. No, no, no. No, that was, it's the opposite. The, like acting itself is a joy, like being on stage or mm. like being in front of a camera, like saying words, feeling things, yum. But the lifestyle of an actor is horrible. Yeah. But like the lifestyle of a writer is great. Like you kind of make your own schedule. Like there's, you kind of have the power, but the process of writing is horrible. And like that sort of dichotomy for both of those things was just so clarifying. Like I was like, yeah, what? Like, Mm. like that's delineation. And I think that's so interesting. Like, I wonder when that shift happened and why you think that shift happened and like how writing so much has affected you as an actor or seeing acting. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like what I said and now what you've said. Yeah, it's like yeah. that, that realisation that, um, well, A, you can do both. Mm, yeah. Um, and that's fine. Mm. And also you can do more at one time mm. and less of another and mm. switch it up. And also the, at the end of the day, you don't always get to choose what work's going to come on at any yeah. given, come along at any given time. And sometimes there is, it is a case of just rolling with it a little yeah, bit. And yeah. I feel so incredibly privileged to be working as a writer. Yeah. Because uh, I know a lot of people aren't yeah who would love to be yeah and probably should be but yeah. they haven't had their plays read or you know it hasn't whatever their scripts haven't ended up in the right places mm. and actually i've yeah kind of got to roll with it a little bit yeah there is a huge amount of autonomy about doing this mm. rather than just acting mm. and um i'm enjoying that and so i feel like and i'm enjoying that as in i'm genuinely enjoying it but i'm also kind of enjoying that on a day-to-day basis like the mm. way that i am constructing my life at the moment is very mm. free mm. um and i guess i am writing 90% of the time mm. and so that is what i'm doing so yeah. yes over the last year that's i've spent most of my time doing that so i would identify more as a writer but yeah. you know i'm hoping that in the next once i've cleared a couple of these projects i can start moving my focus over to acting again and maybe mm. that will become the main yeah. thing for a bit yeah i don't know i for a little while i felt a bit stressed out by it and mm. i was a bit like you know when people would ask for a biography or people just ask you what you did i'd be like i'm an actor and a writer you know, like, <laughs> yeah um and actually i'm like i don't know i'm writing most of the time so, yeah yeah that is what i'm doing yeah it's it's weird 
the feeling that you kind of need to define yourself and like one needs to lead more than the other or anything where it's like as you say like it's like I'm writing 90% at the time now but like who knows next year next couple of years it might like swing back and forth like it's not it feels like it's anytime that you have to define yourself in any way it feels definite when it's actually not and I also think like I mean, I've always slightly shied away from the term theatre maker, and I think quite mm. a lot of other people do. It just sounds a bit like wishy-washy. Yeah. But actually, I think maybe we need to reclaim it a little bit because mm. um, the idea of always... Obviously, some people do only act, uh, mm. and some people only write, and some people only compose. Or you know, mm. uh, There are lots of people who aren't multidisciplinary, but actually quite a lot of people do do lots of things mm. and have the skills to do lots of things. Especially now. like Especially now. Yeah. You yeah. can't survive, really, like, oftentimes, like... It's it's that gig economy thing, like, but totally. like expanded into theatre. Yeah, but also, like, why shouldn't we as well? Mm. I think um, it, we can all be kind of active members of the industry. Mm. Like, or you know, it's like, or even if you know, you, your skill set is such that you just do just want to set design. Say, yeah, that's your thing, yeah. right? It doesn't mean that you you're not you still like can be kind of an active member of the theatre industry yeah I don't know like there's something about it's all separating. collaborative like yeah. so it's like a set designer could and should be able to give feedback on like what they think like the writing is doing or, or like you know the direction that something is going in and I guess like it's limiting to think that like like a set designer couldn't and then like because we've sort of like maybe given roles really clearly it means that you don't feel like you can be both totally or, or multiple things exactly like, comfortably that people have to kind of stay within their remit mm. um yeah but I also think that like thinking about things in those incredibly kind of boxed ways can also help to perpetuate this hierarchy that unfortunately exists in the industry mm. you know where you do have I mean p- people consider what your role kind of um, decides like where you are in the kind of pecking order mm. um, and actually it's quite helpful if we can start to break down some of those barriers a little bit mm. um, by seeing everybody a bit more equally yeah. you know as kind of creators and collaborators on the project well, be, whether you're an actor or a, or a set designer or a director or a writer or, or composer or whatever that actually mm. like you know it doesn't exist in this kind of top-down way yeah. and actually it is a bit more like we will bring our own different skill set to the process yeah and one day I might be writing the play and the next day I might be acting in the play and it's mm. not like I kind of shift up and down some yeah kind of uh, hierarchical ladder yeah yeah you were sort of saying like like 90% of the time like over the last like year or so you've been writing like what does your process look like like what's like a normal working day for you well, yeah, when I say 90%, I mean, like, <laughs> quite a lot of that time I'm procrastinating mm. or, like, eating. <laughs> um, um, what does the working day look like for me? It, I still haven't, if I'm completely honest with you, mm. right, I've, you know, obviously I've doing, been doing this for ages, but I've been writing more or less full-time, whatever that means, over mm. the last year or so, and I still haven't quite found, like, nailed yeah. the working day. Um, I work best if I got up really early in the morning. Mm which is slightly unfortunate because I also really love staying up late. <laughs> um, and obviously I really like, you know, socialising and going, doing things in the evenings. Mm. Um, so often I'll like start the week feeling really great about getting up really early and then like working until lunchtime and maybe taking some time off in the afternoon because mm-hmm. my concentration always completely drops in the afternoons. Mm. And then doing something in the evening, but oft- like often by like Thursday I'll completely crash because I won't yeah. be getting enough sleep. Mm. Yeah, but for me, like I quite like, well, like this morning, for example, I got up quite early mm. and then I wrote in my, I write a diary. Um, normally I write it before I go to bed and I don't write it every day, mm. but I tried to just write it this morning before I worked. Mm. It was really helpful because it kind of cleared out some of my uh, personal 
emotional, mm. existential junk mm. and then cleared a bit of space for When you. I was talking to um, Jasmine um, Lee Jones, she talked about doing morning pages, that yes. like artist's way thing. And I actually tried it. I've been trying it for the last like week and I find it really hard because it's it's like three A4 pages of paper. Wow. I know. Like, and it, it's meant to be first thing. I only realised it was meant to be first thing like a bit late in the game. So I'd like, you know, eaten, like meditated, blah, blah, blah before and I was oh, like, right. oh, wait. But I do think there is something in like clearing your brain mm-hmm. of like, I think you just said like personal stuff. Like it's like kind of taking the trash out. Like trash? I don't know why I said that. Not trash. Trash. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like clearing it out, clearing the decks and then mm-hmm. starting. That's like interesting. Totally. I mean, because I, you, you know, I'm sitting there all day mm. <laughs> sometimes at my laptop on my own. Yeah. My brain's bound to wander into my own thoughts and feelings. Mm. So like, even if I'm working on something which doesn't, at least on the surface, seem particularly personal. Mm. I always end up being personal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's quite, a f- I think in theory, it's a good idea. Actually, I, sp- I spoke to Jazz about that as well. Mm. We did a residency together oh, yeah, a couple yeah. weeks ago. Um, and I've never read The Artist's Way. I, lots of my mates have. Mm. And um, and yeah, I'm sure it's great, but I actually haven't, haven't read it. But I just, maybe that's probably, maybe that is why I thought it would be a good idea to write my diary in the morning subconsciously. Mm. Yeah. Um, but everyone finds their own way of doing things. Mm. Like I personally love doing exercise. Like it's just I like love being outside. At what outside. point in the day? Any time of day. <laughs> no, like when I'm getting a bit itchy. Sometimes mm-hmm. like I'll um, save it. Like I'll do a few hours work and then I'll go. Nice. It's just good to get outside, I think. Yeah. And uh, sweat a bit. Mm. Uh, but obviously like some people hate that. But that's <laughs> fine. Um, swimming I always think is really great. I, but I only really like swimming outside. But I, I get, I think when I'm swimming, I get into quite a meditative state. And sometimes... Mm. I'll like actively not think about whatever I'm working on, but then mm. my brain will go there anyway because yeah. you're kind of like in this meditation zone mm. and like sometimes end up solving some problems or like when I'm cycling. Yeah. I'll sometimes. have like a really good idea. <laughs> Stop and write down. Uh, <laughs> I feel like sometimes if I'm like freaking out and I'm struggling, I'm like, go for a walk. And sometimes yeah. when I go for a walk, I'm like, oh, actually mm. it's so simple. Just do this. Yeah. Mm. I've taken characters for walks before <laughs> as well. Oh, as about you're like, okay, Sherry will walk with me yeah. and I'll talk to Sherry. On the, that's so cool. Well, is it? Is it a bit that's a, No, that's very cool. Um, I think it's like, well, it's kind of a drama. It's quite an acty, yeah. actory thing to do, actually, isn't it? I remember doing a bit of like, I think it's Stanislavski, mm. like stuff when we were at drama school and we'd go out on like, um, you know, you go out for coffee with another character in character or you mm. go for a walk or something. Um, I remember trying to do it on a play that I've written which is going to be on at Theatre for Plymouth next year mm. next year yeah um, I took the girl who's the main one of the main characters out for a walk with me one day hmm. um, and it was actually really helpful to like look try and look at stuff in the way that she would mm. wait um, so you were kind of being being her, her. ah yeah. wow oh my god um, that's so cool I thought you were like you know in your head like she was just with you but like I think that's weirder weird. <laughs> <laughs> Is it weirder? Well, I don't know, having like an imaginary person walking next to me. True, yeah, yeah, right. Um, No, I was like, I'm Hayley. Yeah. It's Hayley. Um, And uh, like, how would Hayley feel going for this walk? And what would she see? And how would she look at that person? And what would her response be? so interesting. I mean, it is interesting. And it actually was quite helpful. But at the time I was like, is this me basically just making excuses not to sit on my laptop mm. and work. That's so cool. Because I did a workshop with Alice Birch like a while ago. And like, like, so... Often, like, writers have, like, character questions that they can, like, ask, like, the characters to, like, sort of find out more about them and get more depth and, like, you know, knowledge about them and detail. But, like, I found it really useful the way that she did it is that she, like, sort of put the... 
the way that she phrased it, it wasn't like, um, what is the hair color? It was like, um, describe your hair. Like, so it was like, uh. it was to the character. And I found that so useful, like framing it to the character and letting them speak for themselves. Because I feel like it's it's a weird thing, I think, when you're writing characters, it's like they exist I'm just getting to know them. Mm-hmm. And like, so phrasing the question in that way just helped my brain so much. Whereas like, what is their hair color? It's like, I don't know. I, I don't know them yet. <laughs> yeah, actually that's, I haven't really ever thought about it like that before, but like kind of rather than like them being like a little doll that you hang things yeah. on. The fa- imagining that they already exist and you're just like uncovering them, like yeah. kind of archeology span or something. Yeah. And I think that's probably why my brain was like, oh, I took, I thought you took this character for a walk. Because it's like, okay, I'll, t- I'll, t- <laughs> now that I say it, I know it's really weird to fit in my head. It's like, oh, cool. Like, you know, what, what do you think of that tree? But it's, it's way better just to be, the, the, I'm, yeah, I'm, I think I'm going to try that. No, try it. It's yeah. fun. Also, particularly if you're, you know, obviously not all writers have background as, as actors and mm. they might not think about things like this. But, yeah. But actually, for me, it feels like a, quite a, uh, an easy way of getting into, into a character mm. to then be able to write what they sound like and how they speak because I think it's a little bit just like act it's like improvising as an actor yeah. isn't it yeah um, that's so good I feel like there's a specific project that I haven't started but I've been stuck on and I feel like that's probably my way in so thank you Ella oh my pleasure <laughs> <laughs> where do you write uh at the moment in my bedroom quite a lot mm-hmm. and I'm really trying not to because mm. it's like a bit icky how so well just I mean it's kind of fine because I quite like writing at funny times of day it's Mm. actually really hard to then find places to go Mm. so if I'm writing early in the morning or late at night obviously being in my room makes sense and I also quite like sticking stuff up on the walls and like I've got a whiteboard that I write stuff on sometimes Mm -hmm. so that's all fine but sometimes it's like I don't really like the idea of sleeping in the room that I'm writing Mm. in because it's almost like you can feel I can I mean yeah sometimes I can't sleep Mm. sometimes sometimes I can but it's almost just like it almost like smells of the play (laughs) like I come in back in like you know to the place I've been working in Mm. and it's like it's all still hanging in the air and it's quite I don't think it's that good for your mental health really Mm. Um, though I do keep on forgetting to not do it Mm. but I also work in the library at the Wellcome Trust quite a lot Mm. it's nice and also it's quite nice being around people who I like doing completely different things. Mm. I work in cafes and cinema bars. Like pretty standard, I think. I still haven't quite found my place. I'm looking mm. into getting um getting a bit of like workspace somewhere mm. in a studio. Yeah. And like forking out the cash yeah. just to have like a place that I go. Yeah. Um but yeah, there's something quite nice about being um because I used to run like work in like theatre cafes and stuff quite a lot, but mm. which is obviously lovely, but I just bumped yeah. into all my mates. Yeah. Um, you just end up like getting completely distracted yeah and actually I think I used to go like I used to go to the Soho theatre to work yeah, and I think same, part of actually. me went so that I bump into my yeah <laughs> it's like I want a distraction yeah 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 where do you write I, I think I often write in my room it's but I think I'm just like surrounded by nice things I feel like I've I'm a cancer um, mm. and like cancers <laughs> are known for being like really good homemakers and so my room is like really nice and I think because my desk like my back is to my bed and I think I've got a weird relationship with my bed where it's like, I'm going to write for an hour and then I'm going to lie down. It's like I, I'm sort of treating myself. Oh, so nice. it's like, but I don't know if that's good. And and sometimes I can't. It depends on, I think, the stage that I'm at with a play. Sometimes I just literally can't, like, mm. write in my room. Like, I th- I, yeah, I think certain things I'm like, oh, no, I've been here too long with it. It doesn't want to be here. It wants to fly free. So I have to find somewhere else to go. Yeah. You were kind of, like, talking a bit about, like, your mental health like and like also like with your exercise as well like that mm. being like like when you were like sometimes you just need to sweat I was like yeah you do like and I, I wonder whether like sometimes 
because with writing, it can be so personal and you're in your head. Like what things that you do to kind of like balance that with your mental health and like sort of make it less isolating? Yeah, it's a tough one. Um, and I, yeah, I think sometimes I feel like I'm managing it all really well. Mm. I go through weeks, I'm like, God, Ella, you're great at this. You've got the <laughs> life balance. You know, you're doing your, you know, your exercise, you're writing me in a diary, you're spending enough time not working, you're mm. working enough. And I'm like, oh, and then other weeks I'm, <laughs> I'm like, this is a complete disaster. Why am I so unhappy? Mm. Um, I think, yeah, for me, exercise is a really important thing. Mm. Um, partly because it just gets, I need to be outside quite a lot. Mm. And there's a, there is a difficult thing with like, you know, actually I love writing I love making theatre. Mm. Uh, I think it's really important. Mm. Um, but actually, I don't know if I'm personally built for sitting at a desk all day. Yeah. And, um, Do you think you're an extrovert or an introvert? I don't know. Ah. I don't know. Uh, my housemate definitely is like, you're an introvert, because I'm like, don't talk to me, I'm writing. Ah! Um, but um, I think it just depends what mood I'm in. I kind of swing between yeah. being really, really sociable mm. and wanting to be around people all the time and make jokes and, you know, like... <laughs> make a fool of myself and then other times feeling very very serious and <laughs> feeling like I need to be on my own I feel like um w once I heard someone put it really well which I found really useful which is like um it's like whether you get energy from other people like or being around other people mm -hmm. or whether you get it from like being alone mm -hmm. because like you can be an incredibly sociable introvert and you can be like quite a shy extrovert and yeah. like yeah I found that really useful and like sort of thinking about it yeah. um because, yeah, because also I think you can be an outgoing introvert as well. So it is like hard Absolutely. to like, but I was just interested like to ask because like, I think I, I know that I'm a, a huge extrovert. Like I'm like a ridiculous extrovert. Like it's yeah. sort of, it can be, yeah, it's always unhelpful how extrovert I am. And I think I find that incompatible with writing because I just like find mm -hmm. it hard to like sit at a desk all day and be alone. Absolutely. And so I so totally relate to that feeling of like needing to be outside and get out. Yeah. And I'll like go and seek people quite actively. Yeah. Um, one of the things I've been trying to do recently is having kind of registered that about myself and realised that as I've moved into writing most of the time and acting mm. much less and also not doing my like other jobs and things because mm. I'm like lucky enough at the moment I don't have to it's like <gasps> it's great but yeah. also then it means I've lost all these all this contact with yeah. people and so I've actually quite actively started carving out time to do some workshop facilitation because I really enjoy it mm. and um, join in with some more like group activities mm. and actually like make time to do those things mm -hmm. um just because it's good because it makes me happy yeah it gives me energy yeah like so maybe i am i don't know whatever you said but i, I, get, I think i get energy from yeah, yeah. <laughs> probably, probably an extrovert but like yeah i'm an extrovert who loves spending time on my own yeah like, i'll kind of go away on holiday on my own and yeah stuff. same yeah i don't know like from the, the mental health thing is hard i think we this industry is really really hard mm. and even if you know you're lucky enough to not have kind of the chemical, particular chemical makeup that means mm. you're prone to depression, mm. you're, people are bound to feel low. Like yeah. it's really difficult. Yeah. And um, I think particularly the way that it is, um, we're living through really difficult times anyway. Mm. Like I kind of wake up most days and feel a bit of an existential mess at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Um, because it's just like the kind of political crisis that we're in, the climate yeah. crisis, a lot of stuff to be worried about. Yeah. And actually also working in an industry which is so precarious. Yeah. And, um, and where there's a kind of lot of kind of competition and people kind of elbow, mm. elbowing each other out the way. Mm. I think like, and you know, people being valued on, you know, being success, being this kind of thing that's held up. It, it's, mm. it's not good for people's brains. Yeah. But like me personally, I don't know. I found like different, different ways of dealing with, with it for sure. I see mm. a therapist, which mm. I never used to do. Yes. Um, 
and I found that really helpful. I know it's not an option for everyone weekly at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And actually, like, obviously, I went in there being like, I will not talk about my work because mm. <laughs> I can talk to my colleagues about my work. And mm. then I end up talking about writing all the bloody time yeah. because, um, because that's what I'm doing most of the time. Yeah. But I, yeah, I think finding other people, like other right, connecting with other writers and yeah. other theatre makers and having really, that I can have really trusting, honest mm. relationships with, it's been a really important part of staying sane. Yeah. Um, but also, um, hanging out with people who don't work in the industry. Mm. And that's, I think, a mistake that I slightly made the couple of years I came out of drama school mm. was that inevitably my closest friends were people yeah. um, who were doing similar things to me. Mm. But also, um, it felt very good to have that community. And it, yeah. it is really important to have that community. But like slowly over the last couple of years, I've been just hanging out more with my friends who who don't work in, in the arts yeah. or maybe work in different aspects of the arts. And why do you think that is so helpful? Well, it kind of reminds you that the rest of the world exists. Yeah. <laughs> Um, which I think is really helpful because it can get quite like uh, insular. insular. Yeah. yeah. And um, it, it's really great having chats with people who have absolutely no idea what theatre's on at the moment mm. and frankly don't care, <laughs> you know, because they care about uh, the education system yeah. or the uh, what's happening in, for n- nursing at the moment mm. or, you know, all these other incredibly important complicated yeah. things are happening. So. Yeah, because it's kind of like it kind of like gives you perspective and like opens you up like which is both good for like mental health but also kind of like really good for writing like as well like being able to be reminded of like other things that are important to you like that can take you in different directions I guess totally because also otherwise like if we all just if all of us writers just hung out with writers and actors and directors Mm. then we'd just be writing plays about writers actors and directors probably yeah (laughs) like I mean some of them are great but Mm. I'm not particularly interested in writing, writing those plays yeah I think that's so helpful about like carving out time to see people because I think it can get so lonely like like I remember um when I first started writing I sort of like realized that I was gonna have to write for the next couple of weeks and I sent a doodle out like a doodle poll out to my friends I was like I'm a huge extrovert I know that I won't be able to get through the day unless I speak to somebody can you plot in when I can call you in my lunch break that I'm gonna give myself so that I can like chat to someone I feel like I mean that's a weird way of doing it but like just being like hey can I meet up with you (laughs) like it's probably like simpler but I think that's so important for mental health being like I need to connect like it's as simple as that yeah making sure that you do that like a certain amount of times a week mm. can have, like make such a difference. Totally. I do that. I call my, there are some of my mates that I call on lunch breaks as well. Mm. I don't doodle it though, but that's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> I'm wondering about like the, the process of getting the phlebotomist stage. Like what was that journey like? Like when did that happen? How did it happen? I wrote it about two and three years ago. God, nearly three years ago. Mm. Um, the first draft. Mm-hmm. And I wrote it quite quickly. Mm-hmm. And the reason why, so the reason why I wrote that play in the first place was about, like, not the subject. I've been interested in the subject matter for ages, but mm-hmm. actually, I set up a helped set up a little theatre company called Flux Theatre, mm-hmm. which I'm now just kind of support from the sidelines, <laughs> and it's doing really, really well. Mm-hmm. And like the people who Will and Georgie who run it are absolutely awesome. Mm-hmm. And um, but, but we, a few of us from that little theatre collective, um, were interested in writing, but wouldn't necessarily call ourselves writers. Mm-hmm. And so we all said that we'd get together and uh, bring something that we'd written and we'd all read it out. And so we booked mm. a space at the Calder Bookshop Theatre in on the cut mm. on a Saturday afternoon. And we're like, we all just have to bring something. Mm. And I was babysitting my little brother and sister um, on the Friday night. And I basically stayed up all night writing this play. Wow. And like, it was a very kind of rough 
like primitive version of what ended up being the play. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe it wasn't that different. Mm. Um, and I kind of brought it along and then we read it and I was like, oh, I think this is quite good actually. <laughs> um, and everyone else was like, no, I think it's really good. And I was like, cool. Um, so um, I started to send it to like uh, friends and di- like director friends who mm. I trusted and getting some feedback and redrafting and stuff. And then I, I spoke to a um, theatre producer that I'd met at a press night and, mm-hmm. uh, and kind of stayed in touch with, a guy called Peter Clayton, mm-hmm. who really sadly passed away Aww. just over a year ago, Aww. really sadly. Um, he was a very generous and wonderful man. Mm. And he um, he basically said, look, whenever you're ready, um, I, can, I can't like produce it, but mm. um, I uh, can gift you like, uh, space to do hold a, re- a reading of it so you mm. can invite people and I was like that'd be absolutely amazing wow. and so we did and so in about by like the spring I was like I think I'm ready so we booked the space out in for the summer and so how long ago was that from the first draft it was a few months after cool but then obviously we had to book the space wasn't free till like June and then mm-hmm. Um, and then I did a bit of R&D on it as well. Got mm-hmm. some. I, it was a kind of process of, at the beginning, just getting mates in my kitchen mm. and reading it mm-hmm. um, and playing around and doing improvisation and stuff. And mm-hmm. then actually um, I asked an, uh, another friend of mine if he could give me a bit of cash so I could pay some people. Mm. As I'd slightly run out of favours. <laughs> um, <laughs> and we um, did two days of R&D on it mm-hmm. um, with just like actors. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and... Um, that was great. And then did the reading and then I invite, basically just invited everyone mm. that I knew uh, or that I didn't know. I just, <laughs> just invited all of the theatres mm. and um, most of them didn't come. Mm. But I just basically just thought, oh, I'm just going to reach out to anyone in the industry. Mm. Um, not, well, obviously deep down, I really hope that someone would be like, aha, we're going to put it on your play. But yeah. really I thought like, I just want to make contact with these people and be like, yeah. I am a writer and I've written this play. Yeah. Um, you know, like, can we chat? Mm. Um, and actually most people didn't come because mm. it's really hard to get people out yeah. on a, an afternoon. Mm. <laughs> then the Hampstead, the, Will, who used to be the literary manager at the Hampstead Theatre, mm. came. And then he called, uh, sent me an email the next day and was like, do you want to come in for a meeting? Mm-hmm. And then I did yeah. the following week. And then he was like, I'd really love to um, pass on your script to the artistic director, who was mm. then Ed mm-hmm. Hall, um, and Greg Ripley Duggan, who is still the exact producer. And... Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I was like, of course you can. <laughs> and Take actually, it. I remember him being, I remember I sent him the script and he was like, Ellie, you haven't got your name on the script. <laughs> and I was like, Ooh. yeah. And then he sent it to them and then like, I went for a meeting with them a few weeks later after that and they asked if they could put it on downstairs. Wow. So it was a really, really accelerated mm. process. And at the time I was like, God, <laughs> this playwriting thing is a piece of piss. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I know that that's not the case yeah. now. Um, because uh, it's really hard to get stuff on and I appreciate that like most people can't even get anyone along to a Mm, reading or you know they'll send their script in to a million different submission windows and it never get through so now I appreciate quite how lucky I was that somebody even came Mm. yeah because I do think about that a lot actually yeah like there are so many brilliant writers out there and so many brilliant scripts but it doesn't mean like it it doesn't really mean anything until somebody gets into the right hands of somebody who can push it forward yeah or, and like, he gets you, it like he just like is like this this is right this yeah. is right for my theatre this is who I am and this is why this speaks to me absolutely yeah because um, I feel like I, I I feel like my journey was a little bit similar like it was like a rehearsed reading that like actually yeah as you say like no one really came to mm. but like because um the guy who directed that Tom Wright who is a legend my patron saint um he was speaking to the bush anyway about his work like because he's a writer as well um and then like that meant that it like got into like the net's hands and dan's hands and everyone um but it's like 
it's those specific people that get that play. If if it was like a sort of different theatre or a different artistic director, I don't think that it would be being staged. But because it's like mm. the right person sees it, like that is why it happens. Absolutely. It's like it's a taste thing and there's so much luck involved, which is actually yeah. really frustrating mm. um, because you can't control it. Yeah. Um, but I guess what you can do is... Uh, be really loud <laughs> like and actually invite people yeah because that's what I realized is that like um I remember when I was at I used to do this little singing class on Saturday mm. and there was a, a, the guy who ran the class was absolutely terrifying in fact I really hope he doesn't listen to this podcast <laughs> no he was brilliant his name is Ray right mm-hmm. and he uh, was te- was terrifying in a wonderful way in that he was like really really pushy and really kind mm-hmm. of um made us all try absolute best all the time and I remember he used to come out with these like little words like phrases of wisdom and one of them one of the things he used to say was um it doesn't matter how good you are at singing singing mm. um if you if you're in your bedroom singing beautifully into a hairbrush mm. the likelihood of a Produced music producer driving down the street at the exact moment that you're mm. singing like your best verse into a hairbrush with your window open, the likelihood of that person picking you off, and making you into Britney Spears mm. is basically zero, right? Mm. So like it doesn't mean anything unless you put yourself out there. Yeah, and um, that's really scary. Yeah, but actually, like I think you do have to do that, and yeah. I think yeah. So it's obviously a combination of being able to put yourself out there plus all of the luck that we've just yeah. spoken about. Yeah, but I think that's the thing. It's like. You can't get lucky if you're not kind of in the race. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure there's, I'm butchering like some kind of like well-known phrase, but it's like, yeah. unless you're in it, you can't win, win it. it. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's a much better yeah. one, but I don't know what it is. Yeah, yeah totally. Because it's like, I completely um, relate to that feeling of like, I don't think it's going to be on. Like no one's mm. going to put it on, but I'm just going to invite everyone. So people yeah. just know that, that this is what I'm doing. And I think I did the exact same thing. It's like, I had a rehearsed reading and I was like, well, I'm just going to like send letters out, not letters, a lot of emails, mm. emails to like <laughs> everyone. Um, and I think that's the kind of way that these things happen. And it doesn't always happen, but yeah. like that's the kind of first step because at least then you're like a theatre or like literary like person like knows that you're writing mm-hmm. and like will recognise your name. Yeah. But I think it's also like what you said, it's like finding the people who it chimes with. Yeah. Like any piece of work is not going to chime with everyone and that's yeah. fine you don't need it to yeah like it'd be really boring if we all like the same stuff anyway yeah so also um, it's also about being specific as well because I did yeah. like even though I never dreamt of my play being on like I was like the bush would be like the place that I'd want yeah. like it's like it, it it's made for that space yeah. and like I didn't write it with that space in mind but it, when I dreamt of it ever being on beyond my wildest dreams I was like oh it'd be great if it was on the bush and I think it yeah. also is it can be good to like send it everywhere but I think it's also really good to be like hello you specifically like you might like this. This is the right mm-hmm. kind of play for like this theatre. Absolutely, yeah. And also mm. connecting up with like the other creatives that you also whose work you like too. Yeah, like who you know. It's like finding your, your people a little yeah. bit. Um, who are people who are making stuff that you like because mm. they're probably going to be the people you end up collaborating with yeah. down the line. Yeah, so true. Because uh, like if you pick a different director, for example, for that mm. reading. Yeah, like he might was it he? Sorry, yeah. you say Tom. Yeah, yeah. Um, he or she, other director person, might not have like might, might have liked it, but not have or a not have been in with the bush. Yeah, <laughs> but also been like, Meh, you know, yeah. Oh, it's quite a nice piece of work, but it doesn't really mean anything to me. Like, mm. yeah. So, and like, what was the rehearsal process like? Like, how did you feel like while it was being rehearsed, and then when it was like went on to being staged? Like, what was that journey like from like the day one of rehearsals to like opening it? 
It's probably really easy to look back at it with rose-tinted <laughs> glasses. Because mm. uh, I actually found it really stressful. Yeah. And quite scary. Yeah. Um, whereas now I'm like, it was great. Mm. <laughs> the whole thing was great. Yeah. I mean, the, act, the uh, it was great in lots of ways. Mm. It was so exciting. Yeah. The actors were amazing. Yes. And um, I felt so lucky to be working with that team. Mm. And also to have, like, my work in such capable hands. Mm. And people were treating it with such care mm. and respect. And that really was, like, incredibly... I felt very privileged, mm. um, I, but I did, but it was scary. Yeah, you know, as a, as a kind of first experience of handing something over. Mm. I mean, I don't, actually maybe handing something over isn't quite the right phrasing because you're not really doing that. Yeah, like you are still carrying on working on it together. Yeah. Obviously, it depends on the. Like, on my experience was very collaborative. Yeah, other people may not work like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, Sam and I, Sam Yates, the director, mm-hmm. wonderful Sam. Mm. Um, we spoke a lot about it, you know, and he was very aware of the fact that it was my first play and that yeah. we were going to, and he's ex- much more experienced than me in the industry mm. and that we were going to be kind of working together, working out what the best working relationship was. Mm. Um, I had, because it was new mm. and like very new, um, I did quite a lot of revisions in rehearsals, not loads, but there were some chops and changes. Mm. Like I stayed in for the whole of the first week. I'd go home in the evenings, rewrite tiny little bits, mm. um, cut lines, whatever, and then bring them in the next morning and we'd feed them back to the actors. Mm-hmm. But then I made a decision to step out for the second week. Mm-hmm. We only had three weeks of rehearsals. Oh, wow. For that play? Yeah. It was wow. really, really hard. Whew. Which meant the previews were terrifying. Oh, God. And everything went wrong. Oh, no. Uh, for the first few previews. I cried loads. Oh. Yeah. Big crier anyway, though. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm really glad. It's so good to hear. Because, like, you think, oh, my God, like, my play's on. Everything's going to be fine. Like, yeah. th- you know, that's the goal. And then, like, it's it's really important to be told, like, it's going to be stressful. <laughs> you're going to you're gonna be stressed out. And you're going to be anxious. And you're going to cry loads. Because yeah. I will. And I know that I will. So you can just give me a people. ring. Yeah. We'll have a chat. I'll oh be my God, fine. Yes, please. I yeah, will. like, my mates of mine who have had plays on since, I've, um, like, in, like, the least patronising way, mm. it's literally, I'm still really early on in my career. Yeah. I've just been like, call me. Yeah. It's okay if you hate it. Yeah. Because, and it's not any, this isn't any reflection on the, the other creators involved. No. Yeah. It's just really, it's really exposing. exposing. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and it's it's incredibly exhilarating and, and really amazing, but it is mm. it's scary and it's okay to find it really stressful. Mm. Yeah. I'm going to do an annoying thing. I'm going to hop back because okay. I found <laughs> it really interesting um, when you were kind of, I just found it fascinating because you, you sort of talked at the beginning about like um, feeling in t- like kind of intimidated and like the idea of like calling yourself a writer or writing like felt like a sort of interesting like back and forth process. Like it was like, I don't mm. feel ready to like be like, this is what I'm doing. But then with that sort of theatre company, that's when you like sort of created the beginnings of the phlebotomist. Like, did you do any like writers groups, like any writing programs? Like, or was it just like, I've written a thing, now I'm making it happen? So at that point, no, I hadn't done any writers groups mm. when I wrote the play. Um, I then applied. So once the play had been picked up by the Hampstead, um, that summer I applied to do the Soho Mm. Writers Lab. Yeah. That's what it's called. Um, which started in October. Mm-hmm. So, like, so the play was kind of, I guess we were in chats with directors and stuff at that mm-hmm. point. Oh no, we actually, no, we, I hadn't, I'd been meeting some directors about chose, like trying to show who I was going to work with. Mm. Um, and that was when I had my first kind of like formal writer regroup thing. Mm. Um, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Because I, I got got to meet loads of other writers and yeah. see how they worked. Mm. Um, I think those groups are brilliant. Yeah. I don't think they're the be all and end all. Yeah. Like totally. also I had, I had applied to that maybe not the year before that, but the year before that and hadn't got on. I'd been mm. like, God, screw you all. Because <laughs> um, I think I'd been like, oh, maybe I'll try a bit of writing. And yeah. Then, yeah. And then didn't get in. So I was like, oh God, I must not be a writer. But that's incredible that you 
that you didn't get onto it and then like that year you wrote that play like because it's such an incredible play like I uh, my brain almost like had to jump back so I was like wait a second hold on you like had no kind of formal training or like companionship as you made that like I just find that amazing like the beginnings of that play coming purely from yourself obviously you were like working with flux and like that but I yeah I just found that really cool yeah that, well, I think being going to drama school mm. and like being around plays loads is, yeah. is really good training, actually. Yeah. I think you can be taught to write, but I also think some people can just write. I think yeah. we are like innate. Like if you're lucky enough to be brought up reading mm. or being read to or going to theatre, watching films, you know, being exposed to stories. Mm. I think we are as humans very wired to tell stories yeah. and to like construct things narratively. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, you know like some you know some people may benefit more or less from going to formal writing training yeah but actually I don't like yeah I think that you can just it is kind of there yeah totally but I guess I think because I did the um, Royal Court like intro group and like I feel like that was the only reason I managed to write a play and I think maybe it's because because I really associate associate relate to what you're saying about like not feeling like you could write or like so I think it's more like you coming from that place of not feeling like you could, mm. but then years down the line being like, bam, here's a play. Like that is like what I find really fascinating. But I think definitely like there like it would probably benefit loads of people not having like the pressure or like other people around you. But I guess because mm. I sort of really related to that, I was like, wow, how did you go from not feeling like you could to then like doing it without kind of peers and a kind of course and like that kind of structure? But yeah. it's just testament for you, to your amazing brain. I don't know. I just think like just also was feeling really frustrated mm. and like had loads of stuff I wanted to say. Yeah. And I was like, oh, like I don't have to wait for somebody to tell me that I can. Yeah. I'm just going to write it. Um, but also I had been playing around with writing for a bit before then. I just hadn't been showing it to anyone. I think mm. that's the difference. Yeah. It's not like I suddenly had like literally never sat down and written a script before and wrote it. That would be me pretending that I yeah. kind of had just like arrived there. Like yeah. I had been playing around. I just mm-hmm. hadn't been showing it to anyone. Right. And I'd been writing poetry for a bit and like I performed that, mm. you know, and I had that was my first experience actually of kind of getting some something I'd written in front of people, mm. in front of an audience. Yeah. I, um, and that was just after I left drama school actually. I wrote myself this kind of poetic monologue mm. um, that I performed at the Old Red Lion. And uh, and that was like my first terrifying <laughs> <laughs> experience of, of kind of writing something and being like, here you go, I've written this and actually yeah. getting some positive. I didn't invite anyone I knew. Yeah. I purposefully just went and did it to this like anonymous audience. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> didn't tell anyone I was doing it. Um, it was like what a one-off night of political theatre mm. and I just like said can I can I write something and they were mm. like sure yeah and then did it and actually that for me was the real first step of going mm. oh okay I've written something that I care about yeah and other people have clapped and come up to me <laughs> and said that was good yeah and I was like okay I'm gonna pocket that bit of positivity yeah and then try and, and like hold make something in. else yeah yeah, yeah. 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 And yeah. so like how did you make a living before you were kind of like full-time writing like when you were like sort of alongside acting like what 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 do you do to like earn your money earn the money Hmm. um so when I was at drama school and then for a bit of time after I was working in the natural history museum oh cool that's a cool job it was so cool so badly paid oh no minimum wage no minimum wage and so far from where where I lived Mm. um but I loved it because I really love dinosaurs and um and also (laughs) like really interested in like natural history and evolution um so I kind of I applied for it just as like a Christmas job but ended up going back and doing it in the holidays Mm. um when I was studying and then carrying on a bit into that first year 
that I was out. Mm. So I, my first job actually was tutoring a young woman, a girl, who uh, was uh, unable to go to school. So it was mm. a job through Harringay Council. Mm. Um, and that was a really kind of like throwing in, being thrown in the deep yeah. end um, experience. And I worked with her for like five or six hours a week mm -hmm. for a wow. year. Um, and that was brilliant as a kind of, it was very challenging, um, but really great. Mm -hmm. And um, that was mainly what I did when I first left. And then through that, I then started to, I had like a quite a good CV of experience because mm. it was quite a broad range of stuff that we were studying together and it was also quite challenging. Mm. And I then used that to get some other tutoring jobs. Mm -hmm. um, and as I kind of went on, um, I then started to realise I was basically only tutoring really rich kids to get mm. into private school. And, you know, as somebody, I don't really, I don't believe in private school. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't want to support the, the system. Yes. Um, I started to find that a bit tough. Yeah, I, I actually had the same thing. Yeah. Uh, just after leaving uni, I tutored and I just found it like, oh God, I'm like, I'm part of the system. Like, mm -hmm. and I mean, also, I don't think I was a very good tutor. So I think I probably like, it, it wasn't me being righteous in any way when yeah. I stopped. But like, I think... Yeah, it can be. It's tricky because it's like you need to support yourself and like you need to do things that enable you to make work. But Absolutely. also you don't want to do stuff that makes you feel gross. <laughs> yes, you don't. But unfortunately, I think because um, of the precariousness of the industry mm. um, and the fact that like most people who, you know, if you're an actor, only 2% of actors earn a living from acting, right? Yeah. And um, writing, I'm sure it's more or less the same. I don't mm. actually know what the stats are. Um, the likelihood is that you're going to have to do a, another precarious job on the side yeah. or maybe five yeah. um, to earn a living, to live in London because London is impossible to live in, mm. you know, as we all know. Yeah. Like no, no rent security. Like we should all move to Manchester. Maybe basically. we should. <laughs> but, you know, like there are an abundance of things to make it difficult for, for people to work in the arts. Yeah. And um, it is just the unfortunate truth. That a lot of the people who are like trying to work in and and do good work in mm. this industry are being forced to work in quite icky mm. either corporate jobs yeah. or you know like supporting um you know i'd say tutoring is probably at the, the lower end of icky really mm. like it is like at the end of the day supporting children yeah yeah <laughs> um, mainly children to yeah. um achieve academic potential even yeah. if you do you know even if it means that you're kind of you know, playing into, the, playing into the private school system. Yeah. Like it is complicated, but like, I also think that we shouldn't beat ourselves up too much yeah. because it is partly to do with the current, like the kind of unfortunate economic system that we're in at the moment that yeah. there isn't a universal basic income yeah. or something, you know, to like help people to actually just be able to baseline pay their rent. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I, I think the best thing that I did for myself is to try and find a job on the side that I loved. Mm. Cause I was like, I can't, sustain a creative career if I don't love what I do when I'm not acting yeah. at the time like now I've been like writing and I've like been able to save myself a bit more but like if I was like I won't survive much longer than a couple more years if I don't absolutely love what I do on the side mm. so I feel like that's like one of the best ways and also was like great for my mental health as well like feeling like I I love what I do even whether I'm not I'm acting or writing or whatever that feels like a really helpful thing. I agree. I had a chat with my housemate about this yesterday, actually. Um, we were talking about how there's a tendency because because um, of what we're doing. Mm. There's always this feeling of reaching towards something in the future mm. of kind of like, oh, well, you know, I'm just doing this right now yeah. so that when I am successful, whatever that means, mm. in however many years time, that's, you know, that that will be, that's what I'm aiming for yeah. is the future. But actually, I think we need to start creating what, without sounding too cheesy mm. we need to start creating our future in the present yeah. whatever that might mean to us and actually like 
um, it is, it's not always going to be possible, but actually trying to create a basic like lifestyle mm. that is secure and uh, has enough joy in it mm. in the present tense, rather than always thinking, well, like, you know, currently I'm working in this burger yeah. bar, you know, um, even though I really, 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 really hate it, <laughs> um, just because I'm reaching for this, maybe getting this creative job in a year Mm-mm. and actually trying to find a way to in, in any way possible construct our lives now yeah so that they have enough joy in them yeah um, yeah construct a life that you love for the present moment as yeah yeah exactly you know obviously that, that it's very easy for me to say this coming from an incredible position of privilege that right mm. now yeah I'm I'm learning all my money working in the arts mm. um, and I know that that's not possible yeah. you know that isn't the same for everybody yeah but even in within my my own version of that i'm like am i constructing my day-to-day life in a way that makes me happy yeah i don't know mm. so like maybe we can yeah think about it it's like a daily yeah. thing as well as a kind of like a lifestyle restructure thing yeah yeah absolutely. and you kind of briefly spoke about success that just then like that kind of and it, how unhealthy it is to kind of reach towards it but like what does success look like to you if you were to imagine like yourself in five years or ten years like and you could imagine being successful what would that look like Oh, <laughs> I have absolutely no idea. I love that answer. I have absolutely no idea. I love I that thought answer. about it. Great. Because you're so living in the present. You're doing it now. Oh, I, know. <laughs> I think it's probably just me having a nice time with my friends. Oh, yes. Um, Ella Road. Maybe doing some walking. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but also, Legend. Also, like, from a practical perspective, being at a position where I don't have to take on so much work, mm. I can still earn a living off it. Yeah. Um, but also I have enough time to do things that aren't at all related to the industry. Yes. Yeah. That's one of the best answers I've had so far. Really? It's quite boring. No, it's, but boring is great because it's like, it's about being content. It's about being like, yeah. I want to be happy. Like that's, that's the answer that I just heard. It's like, I don't really give a shit. Like so long as I'm making and like able to eat, like yeah. I don't really care. Like I almost. mean, really, maybe success would be like having managed to stage a revolution. And, mm. uh, you know, we'd all be living in a, a not a neoliberal society. Fantastic. But I'm not sure if that's currently within my capability. Well, not alone. But not alone. Yeah. yeah. With everyone else who maybe will listen to this podcast. Yeah, if like everyone who's listening, we all come together. <laughs> yeah. Start the revolution. Revolution is ours and it will not be televised. It'll be on stage. <laughs> <and I'm just> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my final question, or I feel like, like yeah. I guess it's sort of two part. I'm just wondering, like, what you're excited about making next? Oh, I'm excited. Oh, well, I'm handing in a play next week, actually, but it's not mm. going to be finished <laughs> uh, for the Almeida, mm. which I'm very excited about. But um, but I'm mainly excited about like what we can do with it, because mm. like, at the moment it feels very messy. Mm-hmm. I'm quite looking forward to like inviting some more brains in, mm. seeing what we can find. Um, I'm writing a play for Bush as well, which oh, I'm very cool. excited about. Yes. Um, it's about um, gender testing in sport, hyperandrogyny. Oh, like. yes. Um, so I actually worked on that with a Emerging Writers group last year. It was the uh-huh. idea that I kind of cooked up whilst I was doing that group. Mm-hmm. And um, and they've taken it on as a full commission, That's so cool. which is superb. And mm. um, I'm really excited about digging back into that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, they, yeah, the things I'm excited about. And then, yeah, there's a pay for Hampstead as well, a new one. Um, which I'm excited about, but slightly daunted by because mm. it's quite personal in mm-hmm. lots of ways and it feels a bit icky at the moment, mm-hmm. but I'll get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the second part of the question, even though it's actually just two questions, what inspires you? What inspires me? Uh, power dynamics. Mm. Uh, that's very broad. No, that's um, not broad. That's quite specific. Yeah, I guess. Well, I think there's loads of different kinds. Loads of different kinds. Yeah. yeah like um, I think that that is often where drama comes from. 
Mm. Um, I think that could be looked at and through lots of different lenses. Mm. Um, I try and read lots of stuff. Um, I'm really interested in science. I never yeah. even would have thought that I particularly was, but yeah. I, apparently I am because it <laughs> seems to be that quite a lot of the stuff that I end up writing about in some way has a kind of scientific question at the heart of it. Mm. Um, I guess that's because we're living, th you know, through incredibly rapidly changing times yeah. and science. A lot of things do come down to science in one way or another. Yeah. Um, yeah. Inspired. I mean, also like my mates and my family. Mm. Uh, the people that I know, mm. like it's you know when you get inside someone's brain and you realize that's that like realization that somebody else has a completely full experience of the world that's different to your own, mm. and like I guess that's inspiring in a way because mm. that's the basis of making a character mm. um, yeah. and like what it is to be a person and like because yeah. it's not just like oh this is how I feel about things but it's like negotiating how other people feel and and like relationships and politics and humanity mm -hmm. mm. big stuff yes. what inspires you oh <laughs> you're such a cheeky interviewee I know like, you're <laughs> the questions back to me um oh god um love mm. yeah yeah like and the belief that human beings try to be good I oh think. my god that's what my play for the Almeida is all about ah well, it's not sick. Really, but well, like, I I'm desperate to prove that that is the case. And yeah. I'm, I'm struggling, but I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good to speak to you. Thank yeah, you, you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to Making It. If you'd like to hear more, make sure to subscribe and leave us a cheeky five-star review. You can also follow me on Twitter, at Way, and you can book to see my debut play, The High Table, which will be on at the Bush Theatre in Shepherd's Bush from February the 8th. Making It is produced by Jane Ryan, Edited and scored by Kazra Ferruzia, photography by Jess Ravel, artwork by Theo Banner, and hosted by me, Temi Wilkie. The podcast is supported by the Bush Theatre and London Playwrights, and is a proud member of the One Fine Play Network.